Shea butter and popcorn. <laughs> okay, let's start the show. Preparati per la stagione 4. Preparate para la temporada 4. Sit back, relax, and listen. Friday's gonna have you glistening. Get ready for a real good vibe. Shea butter and popcorn. Now, welcome to Shea butter and popcorn with Taj and Chels, season four, episode six. Shea butter and popcorn is the podcast where your neighborly film fanatics review our favorite films and shows. My name is Chelsea, aka Chels, singer, actor, blogger, podcaster, and all-around movie lover. Happy Valentine's Day weekend, everyone! Or also known as Singles Awareness Day. Yes. We appreciate you all frequenting this event. (laughs) Yes, whether it's Galentine's or anything like that, however you're celebrating. Love is all around us. Yes. (laughs) Galentine's. We used to have Galentine's in school, and I miss our Galentine's uh, events. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. It was fun. Because, you know, more importantly, love is all around us, but more importantly, it's an action word. And this week, we're going to highlight some films that are just irresistible, that show love being an action word, for real. I'm very excited about this week. It's going to be really fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> First step is Malcolm and Marie, 2021, directed by Sam Levinson, and it's available on Netflix. So this one dropped last week and I know that people on the socials had so many things to say about the age gap but first off I just think that both of them can play off of each other really well and the fact that it's shot in black and white brings a stylized take to this movie you know it reminds me of meshes in the afternoon (laughs) what you have to take in history of cinema (laughs) class oh my gosh (laughs) I <laughs> love it. I'm very interested to see the the black and white. Um, I'm very excited about that. Regardless of all the the hearsay, I think they'll they'll do a beautiful, beautiful job. Beautiful jobs. It'll be really great. Um, so this was written and directed by Sam Levinson, who's a showrunner for Euphoria on HBO, starring beautiful Zendaya and immensely gifted John David Washington. Yes, it's a match made in film heaven. That is Denzel Washington's son. So without giving too much away, the synopsis is about this filmmaker and his girlfriend who discuss their past relationships while returning home from a movie premiere. So, you know, being in the industry and uh, dating people that are also in the same industry as you, and it's all about, you know, certain attention and certain guest people around you, things like that. One thing I will say about Malcolm and Marie is um, they really played well against each other you know john david and zendaya and i could totally see how john is like learning from his father and gleaned from his father like down to the inflections he's literally like the next generation of his dad it's it's just beautiful to see only thing is um some deterrence for me was the reference of the la times part you know which was kind of weird and long kind of felt like a third character um saying all that to say I feel like both characters had their own demons and a sense of unfairness in the relationship, you know? Um, 
which is why it's like, well, I see why they're paired together because of how they interact with each other. And I think the downfall as to why it wasn't celebrated by the masses as uh, much as everyone would hope or as I would think it would be is um, the dialogue. It, it was very, very talky about certain things like social issues. Um, and so talking in the middle there towards the end where it kind of reminded me of Lincoln and the people I was watching it with were like, oh my gosh, it's still talking reminds me of Lincoln. I think if they stuck more so with like the love story, it would have been uh, navigating away from the whole message movie aspect. But at the same time, you know, you got to look at the, the art and the promo because it was saying this is not a love story. It's a story about love. So there you, ha- there you go. Also, I feel like if you didn't take a film class, certain references (laughs) are going to be a little bit highbrow. At the same time, I feel that black people fight to make films and we have to work so hard to put something together. And so we may not do the whole less is more thing because that doesn't fit our aesthetic. So we're going to lean towards putting everything in there but the kitchen sink when we get an opportunity. Because you're eager to make these projects and you finally get the chance to make it. And we don't get as many chances as the majority. So with that in mind, knowing that surpasses any of the other minute details that could have made the movie stronger. I just, Although I understood where the writing was going and it was definitely a beautiful ode to filmmakers and directors and actors. And I appreciated that as an actor myself. Um, but then again, certain things like that doesn't make it as accessible for the mainstream audience. But yeah, I think it was a a pretty decent romantic drama, and I still think everyone did an amazing job involved, and you should definitely do yourself a favor and check that out. And can I just say, I will never look at mac and cheese the same. That's it. Next up, I am going to be covering To All the Boys 3, Always and Forever, and this actually came out today, so this is directed by Susan Johnson. It's on Netflix. This is the final installment of the To All the Boys franchise based off of the books and these movies. They debuted on Netflix in 2017 and in 2019 and now in 2021 is the final one. And so from the trailer, it kind of looks as if Lara Jane Covey, played by Lena Condor, is deciding if she will be with Peter Kravinsky, played by Noah Centineo, forever or not, since college will probably separate them, and she did not get into Stanford like Peter did. Plus, she's not sure if she's ready to follow a boy to university. You know, that's a big ask. So, you gotta see what you're gonna do about that. Noah was known as an internet boyfriend. Please don't wait with bated breath for details on that, because I don't know what that is. <laughs> but that was online. The internet's boyfriend. I was like, okay. Um Please. Hang on, okay. what a mess. Um, this film, of course, is released today, so I'm excited to see it. You know, the first one was a unique take on an old premise of pretending to date and then falling in love for real. You know, you've seen it before. The low light for me um, was the sequel, personally. Um, I didn't really enjoy it that much, in my opinion. There was no, like, true conflicts. I felt like she had to create issues where there weren't any. That's never good. Um, so that's that one. Last but not least for this week, I'm going to talk about this one I have checked out already. The Ultimate Playlist of Noise 2021, directed by Bennett Lasseter, and it's available on Hulu. So you have a high school senior named Marcus, played by Kean Johnson. He's about to lose his hearing, 
and embarks on a journey to hear his late brother Alex's voice one last time. This film reminded me of The Sound of Metal on Amazon Prime, which was so heartbreakingly beautiful and dramatic and also about hearing loss. This was just like that one, only kind of had a makeover in a sense because it's made for teens and a rom-com and all that. And so he falls for a wild bad girl type named Wendy, played by Madeline Brewer. So it reminds you of The Fault in Our Stars movie. So it's like A Fault in Our Stars meets If I Stay type of weepy flick. But it has some subtle moments. But personally, it didn't resonate with me as much or as much as Sound of Metal did. I think, too, because I'm not a teen. But um, it was cute. It had some nice moments. Um, Plus, he never called his mother, which was just strange and chaotic. And he goes on this field trip to make the perfect mixtape by hearing random sounds like wind chimes, 100 soda cans opening at once, 80 mile per hour highway. The low light is when he eats this nasty looking expired hot dog in a bowling alley when he's dared by Wendy to do that. So they break into someone's pool and he's like relentlessly kind of a jerk to his parents, even though he's about to undergo the surgery, he's going to lose his hearing. But he never answers their calls and they're like, they are like really concerned about him and he takes it out on them. Um, They're just trying to love him though. They weren't really overbearing at all. So again, it's like to all the boys, the second movie where there's like no real conflict in that sense, but he's trying to, he creates it in himself kind of like taking out on the people that are there for you using them as a punching bag um three out of five on common sense media so you know uh generally favorable kind of like mixed reviews so those are my picks for this week Taji, let me know what yours are first up is sylvie's love um which i super much enjoyed um because i just don't have the words to what like oh my gosh um sylvie's love actually came out um, it's it's pretty recent. It came out um, in December of this past year, <laughs> directed by um, Eugene Ash. And um, Sylvie's Love stars Tessa Thompson. Um, I very much enjoyed um, Sylvie's Love is essentially uh, about a summer romance with a saxophonist who takes a summer job. Um, at her father's record store in Harlem. And the saxophonist is played by Namdi Asamoa, um, who is Carrie Washington's husband. And basically, as they venture through the movie, I don't want to give much away because this movie is looking a mess. Um, (laughs) But also, I very much enjoyed all of the players in here. Um, I love the fact that it was based um in new york city um in the 60s and had that like you know just really playing on the music scene and um i love the the fact that you know she tessa first of all is amazing but playing a character during this time where you know women were still trying to um gain uh identities outside of being a housewife and it explores that as well and i uh, of course super resonated with it because because um, to be a show producer um and so she journeys and ventures through that um which is super awesome and so um as they you know connect their worlds um they're just so they're so attracted to each other and and eventually something happens that that draws them apart um but when they reconnect years later they discover that their feelings for each other have not faded within the years um so some as some people have been phrasing it up to say a love that that is sneaky, a love that should not been had. 
Um, I'll just say that and leave it there. Um, but it's a very, very real, um, real, real, real narrative. And it definitely explores uh, the difficulties of that when you're truly um, in love with somebody. So um, definitely, definitely please check out Sylvie's Love if y'all have not. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. And um, it got pretty good reviews. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, y'all came through this time with the 92%. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely go watch that. Mm-hmm. Um Next, we're going to take it way back to a classic, Love Jones, um, which actually it came out the year I was born. Um, Super, super good. Um, So uh, basically, uh, it explores um, two black lovers, um, Darius, who is played by Lorenz Tate, and um, he's an aspiring writer, and Nina, who is played by Nia Long. Um, who is an aspiring photographer. They share an instant connection after uh, a chance meeting at a Chicago club and they bond over music, photography, and poetry. It's super vibey. And um, eventually they begin a romance. However, um, when Nina decides to move to New York, once again, what is up with New York? It's fine. Um, she decides to move to New York and then her relationship with her ex-fiance, Marvin, it leaves Darius heartbroken and the couple's future in jeopardy. Lots of difficult plots here. It's real though, because stuff you be having feelings and you navigating and it's rough. Um, but I super, super appreciated just the overall tone and feeling of this film. Um, it's definitely, I feel like uh, for sure a black classic. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely, definitely feel like they did a wonderful, wonderful job. So many um, heavy hitters in here. Um, and I definitely love the the comedic um, <laughs> the comedic dialogue as well, and like those undertones and stuff. As always, Love Jones, Love Jones for real is like a black classic, and Sylvie's Love could be in my mind like a black period classic because of the setting mm-hmm. and stuff. Like you know, in a romance, yeah, period one for us, which is really cool. I love that. Yeah, yeah, definitely a strong period piece. I think yeah. all of the the production design, especially in Sylvie's Love too, like just really played super well um i feel like they just really uh, both of these these films um and, and all of them really i mean all of these films that we've been mentioning have such strong production design um but i think yeah. definitely with sylvie's love they wanted to paint that picture so i definitely definitely see that um because you definitely felt immersed in it um especially when you have films that revolve around music um art and things of that sort that's like the you know that's the pulse of what creates you know a culture and um things of that sort so definitely um super awesome i loved you know seeing the jazz the jazz and you know the poetry scenes especially in love jones and just their their acting and their monologues are super strong and just shows them wrestling with their feelings and and stuff like that when you're you know you're attracted to somebody but you have some other business to take care of that's a lot of that's the truth for a lot of people um so and yeah it's uh got 73 percent on rotten tomatoes um they're haters but it's fine 90 percent of google users like this movie um it was directed by theodore witcher um and like i said it came out in 97 so like we said definitely a classic um yeah go watch it the last one another good one i feel like it's low-key underrated though but um if beale street could talk uh which came out in 2018 now geez um directed by the illustrious barry jenkins um it came out on christmas that year um and another another uh period piece where it's set set a little bit back um it's set in the early uh 1970s in harlem 
Um, and um, essentially, um, it explores uh, the relationship of these two black individuals as well. It was, oh my gosh. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute, but essentially <laughs> daughter and wife to be Tish, her artist fiance, Alonzo Hunt, um, who goes by the nickname Fonny. Once again, you know, black people in these nicknames, we sometimes we we be having names, but we be getting called something else that is so far off from our actual name. I think that it's super endearing and hilarious to me. Um, but yes, Fonny, we love Fonny. Um, they um, have actually, they were friends since childhood. And so um, this devoted couple, uh, they dream of a future together, but um, their plans are derailed when something happens. I will not give it away in case you have not watched it. Uh, you see y'all watch it. Oh, super God. disappointing. <laughs> Real street good talk. <laughs> and you know, maybe that's why, maybe that's why people, I, I know that that was the main concern is that the ending is a huge, um, huge wrench, um, but it, also super real once again um i feel like a lot of our our black love movies have a lot of strife but it definitely reflects the realities that comes when pursuing um romantic relationships um i won't won't give it away but i didn't like i'll I'll tell y'all right now (laughs) nobody nobody liked it um because it's just way too real and we just want to see black people in love um without struggling and Mm -hmm. but you know story and conflict i mean i feel like it's just a, a testament to uh, the reality of our lives. And so um, I'm excited to get some more, you know, love narratives that don't necessarily center on our trauma and things of that sort to have more of that, that fantasy. Um, but, you know, we definitely go through some things and I, man, I know for sure a handful of people who could relate to each and one, each and every one of these films. So it's definitely real. Um, I got a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Of course, when that strife is 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 in there, people gonna rate it higher. No, I'm joking. But I think the main part of it was beautiful, beautiful job done by James Laxton. Beautiful cinematography, lighting. I mean, this pair, um, the lighting, um, the colors, everything just mm-hmm. complemented um, their skin tone so well and put us in that world. Uh, the his shot composition really just tells the story in a in a very tender way. And um, I really appreciate this film for and, sure. Like, um, I saw it. It's so good. And like this one, Gina King, her Oscar, right? Yes. Wow. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, that woman, oh my gosh, she been me her flowers, but yeah, this yeah. so good. Um, So, so good. I think I that think they the dad, did. Isn't that the guy from the Euphoria episode? The dad? Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's it's also told in a non-linear structure, which also is just, it further adds to like this specific style of film. And so I think it was very unique. Um, I obviously now realizing and going through, you know, the, these articles and notes, it definitely, you know, definitely wasn't as talked about after it came out. Um, I think it has a lot to do with, with the ending of the film, but you know, (laughs) I feel like they did okay. Um, Twelve million dollar budget and did twenty point six million at the box office, mm-hmm. um, and you know people were definitely um, excited about um, seeing this film. And you know, I, I think we I, immediately off the trailer, if it, Black Love. Oh yeah, we're going to go see it, and definitely because Barry Jenkins was coming off of uh, Moonlight, and then with this film, so 
um, definitely, you know, wanting to support him as well. So I still think it's a beautiful film. Um, I've only watched it once. I probably won't watch it again. No, I don't know. Maybe I will just randomly. Never be me. I don't know. I may just have to stop it like 20 minutes before the ending and just go to bed. But yeah, I um, definitely, definitely enjoyed. So um, if you would like to watch, it's open to you. You can stream it on Hulu if you would like to. Um, So those are my picks. Um, Wishing y'all lots of love. Um, lots of happiness, lots of candy, chocolate, massages, um, self-love and scissor and everything else. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's the combo. Come on. Tune in next week. Thank you all so much for listening. Next week is our first installment of Decade Duty. Oh, so- yeah. Speaking of period pieces, oh, right? my gosh. We're going to be talking about period pieces quite a bit this season. And we're calling it Decade Duty because we have so many decades to cover. And the first decade of movies and shows that we will be covering is the 1960s. Welcome to the 60s. Yes. Really reach back and touch. So (laughs) feel free to follow us on social media to stay updated on this podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shea Butter Pop. Follow us on Instagram at Shea Butter Popcorn or follow us individually. You can follow me at Chelsea J Music on Twitter or Instagram. You can follow me at Tajiana Okachuku on Instagram and at Tajiana Tweets on Twitter. Yes. Let us know what you thought of this episode. If you want to hear from us, we are here for you. We are here for you. Why does I know a lot of y'all going to be sliding in your DMs today, but it's okay. Um, y'all can slide in our DMs and give us a recommendation, what y'all want to hear, what y'all want reviewed. Uh, we love y'all and appreciate y'all. Yeah. See y'all next week. Ready, bye.